Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Y'all ready to get in the Word? All right, Romans chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. You can turn there. Man, I'm excited to be here. Hey, thanks for coming today. I mean, church is about family, and I don't really know you, but at some point we're going to get to know each other the more that we keep coming. So thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for valuing uh, community. Thanks for valuing uh, worshiping God together shoulder to shoulder, uh, singing out praises to God because he's worthy. Uh, thanks for enduring uh, whatever it is, uh, the, just the, that overcast rain, I just want to stay in my bed, over, you know, that whole deal, right? You know, you ever just wake up and just not want to get up, you know? Uh, or you ever wake up and you have like this, uh, you're, you know, you're going to give a presentation to work or something and you've got like this, you get this coffee stain on your shirt and then you like try to get it out, but you kind of smear it and it's just like right there and it's like a light colored shirt. You're just like, I'm so upset. Why am I, why is this happening? But it's okay. You just can endure because you got this presentation. You worked hard on it, right? So you get there, you open up your, your uh, computer and you're like trying to connect it to the display and you have the wrong cord because, well, you, you need a cord that has an adapter to it because you got a new computer and you didn't realize you're going to need that adapter. But you had enough time to go and grab the adapter. So you go to the store and you grab the adapter. But the problem is the adapter costs like $700, right? This is what happens. So you go get the adapter and you come back and you just like open up your deal and you start to mess with the display and finally you get to work. You're like, thank you, God. And you look down and your battery says 2%, right? I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. Has that ever happened to you before? You know, <laughs> nothing I'm bitter about that. Um, how, or how about whenever you go, uh, you know, you're like you're in your work day and you're like, I got to do a couple things on my list that are just not work related. Like I got to call the insurance company or the phone company and figure out my bill because something's not messed, something's not right. It's football season. So I got to make sure I get the right channel on DirecTV, right? So I, I call them and, and I'm calling them like, just, I only got like 10 minutes. So I'm like, hey, uh, I'm trying to talk to somebody and then this answer comes up and it says, uh, hello, thank you for your call. Your call is important to us. Your caller, 324. Your approximate wait time is 22 hours and 15 minutes. And you're like, ah. uh, um, how about kids? You're kids, totally. How about whenever your parents ask you to clean your room? Just terrible, right? Isn't it terrible? I mean, God, it's like, Mom, I'm so tired. I can't pick my laundry up and put it two feet into the laundry basket. I can't do it. I'll just life is so hard. The struggle is real. Uh, there's just moments in your life where life is hard, and it's just you don't know why, but it's just hard. Um, there's also seasons in your life that are hard. Uh, we are talking about hope. We're talking about radiating hope, this series. And it doesn't take long, and it kind of hits you like that when something where you really thought you had some struggles really just kind of end up being maybe some more first world problems or just some things that you're not as, as important as maybe your mom uh, getting cancer that's aggressive or somebody losing a job or... Uh, or someone get affected by a hurricane, uh, they're losing all their belongings in their home. I mean, right now, that's probably more people than we would think if we were in an area like that. Um, or maybe someone in your family is dealing with depression. 
and you, you don't know how to help, help them, and you're trying to, but it's just, they're just different. Same thing can happen medically. Or maybe you have friends, or maybe you're going through a divorce, and nine times out of ten, divorces are not pretty. They're nasty. They affect family members and kids, and it's just not easy at all. How do we have hope in hard times? I could sit up here today and talk to you from a theological standpoint, which we are going to do as we open up the Word, and I can talk to you from a philosophical standpoint, which is important as well, but at the same time, you can never get over the fact that it's, it's a personal thing. Suffering and hardships, they're just personal. That's just what happens. And so I don't want to get up here today and act like I have all the answers. I, I, I don't want to... Uh, Try to explain away what your problem or your experience or your struggle is or to take it lightly. Um, and if you're questioning God and you're keeping God at arm's length because you're not really sure about him and this because you just can't understand it, you can't explain it. Your questions are welcome. Your doubts, they're welcome here. Um, we have a bad rep as Christians sometimes of maybe trying to have all the answers and trying to give these short little answers just because we, we need control, right? At some point, we just try to control what we're feeling and what we're knowing. Of all the things that we've learned in our life, at least we could be able to just feel a little more secure about it, you know? Well, I could see that happening to them. I knew that was going to, I knew they were probably going down that alley that way. You know, I just, I mean, it's just God's judgment on them. Or... Maybe if they just had a little bit more faith. And maybe if they just came to church a little bit more. And we try to give these answers that we think are making it feel better or they're making us feel better, but at the same time, we just know that that's not what it is. That's not what it's about. And so if you're going through that today, we invite your questions. We welcome you here. Um, but at the same time, if you're a believer today and you've gone through these things and you've heard the word and you're learning about what it means to endure in hard times, I want you to open up your mind to God's word today and I want you to try to hear, God, how, how can I communicate today to someone who needs to hear the message of hope? God, what are you saying to me today? What are you teaching me today in this so that I might be able to communicate that message of hope? I had uh, con uh, in our connect group, uh, there was a, a man that I love and his family I love, and he just, I look up to him. Um, the other day, he's like, hey, can I, have a can I give a prayer request? And he kind of almost gave it reluctantly, and he just said, I just feel like things are breaking in my life. Said my dishwasher broke. <laughs> said my car wouldn't start, and I don't know what's wrong with it. My... Um, we have a leak under our house, and it's leaking like about a gallon a, a minute, a gallon of water a minute, and I don't know where. We have to get a plumber out, and I just don't want to have to jackhammer up concrete. And he says, also, I'm going to get an MRI tomorrow, and I just have my knee is messed up, and I just want to be active, and it's hard to be active right now. And then he said, on top of that, you know the family issues that we're going through that are just really difficult on me, weighing on me psychologically. I feel like things are breaking. It's a real thing. It happens to the best of us. 
And it doesn't take long for us to look out into the world and to experience the brokenness and the hurt and the hardships. But we have hope. This hope is not just a flash in the pan. This hope is eternal hope. And so let's read in Romans 5 today and let's hear what God has to say through his word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Therefore, Therefore, what is Paul saying here? So in Romans, we see in Romans chapters, there's 16 chapters in Romans, okay? So at the beginning of uh, the first four chapters or so, uh, the the beginning of Romans is all about uh, Paul explaining to us how we are not right with God, how we are separated from God, how we, uh, our heart is wicked, Left to our own devices, we are full of sin. We all have sin. We are like sheep that have gone astray, that we are not right because we are not right with God because of the sin that we are in in our life. So uh, Romans chapter 3 says, uh, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one. It's clear there. That's what Paul, that's his case that he is presenting to us, is that we are full of sin and we are not right with God. But in Romans chapter 4, 5, he starts to, to turn the corner and he starts to talk about how we have been made right with God. How we can have fellowship with God. And then towards the end of Romans, he talks about how do we stay right with God and how do we stay right with others. So he's right in the middle of how are we being made right with God. So you can imagine how excited that he is, right? I mean, because he's getting to, I mean, who wants to hear how bad that we are? Who wants to hear how wicked that we are? Who wants to hear that? But he's like getting to the place now where he's turning and he's saying, no, we have been justified by faith and we can have peace with God. Isn't that great? He's just like oozing with like, oh, here we go. And he always oozes with words anyways, but he's oozing at this point, kind of like a mom and their teenage daughters that I see all over Facebook and everything who are going to a Taylor Swift concert, right? They are just like in their reputation t-shirt and they just got like their long shirts on or their like short crop shock shirts on, you know, it's like she's like, you know, depends on who gets out of much. And they're just like, oh my gosh, is this I got a big reputation. A big. They know every word, right? I mean, they know every little thing about that. And it's like, that's what he's saying here. He's like, we have obtained access to God. We've had, we're going to Taylor Swift. This is amazing. But he doesn't stop there. He says, into his grace, which is the glory of God. We're into his grace, which is like, not only do we get to go to Taylor Swift, but we get to go to Lauren Daigle. It's like in the same month, they're just all together. And it's just awesome. I love both of them. They're so amazing. Oh my gosh. Right? Because it's like, that's what is, is overwhelming in him is that's a big deal. It's a big deal that we have been made right with God, that we have fellowship with God, that we have been obtained access. When you don't have access to something and it's important and you need it and you want it, then, then there's something there that, that creates this animosity in our life. There's something there that creates this like, uh, why me, right? But Paul, Paul he's saying, no, I, we've been made right with God by faith. 
in his grace. It's by God's grace. Hindu thought is karma, right? Karma is, you know, uh, whatever happens, you deserve it. The universe decides what you deserved in your life. And Paul is completely saying, this is, no, 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 no. We don't deserve any of this grace. We do not deserve to be made right with God. God is perfect. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He, He knew no sin. And we sin and we turn from God and we shun God and we think that we have it all figured out. And we have this wicked heart and we go our own way and then we need repentance. And we, we need this, this change of direction in our life so that we can have full life. Or if not, we're going to lead to death. But either you choose that or you don't. But it's all by faith because of the grace of God and the mercy that he has on your life. It's not about what we deserved. If we got what we deserved, it would be the wrath of God. God has grace for you. He has grace for us today. I love the story of Esther in the Bible. If you've read the story of Esther, it's, it's the Old Testament, these stories, uh, they're just different. They're just, they, they're, they're mysterious and they're, they're, they're uh, borderline weird sometimes because it's just not like our culture. And Esther is awesome because what happens is the king of Persia um, is sick of his queen. Okay, he's just like, I'm done with you, okay? I'm gonna create my own bachelor and I'm gonna give the rose to someone who I wanna do a little beauty pageant and I want to be able to get the queen that I really want right now. So then he takes this little beauty pageant and these women all start to display themselves and one of them is Esther. And guess what? Esther, she wins the rose. The gold scepter is uh, handed out to her and she gets to be the queen. One problem, Esther is a Jew. That's That's not normal. And she has to conceal it. So now she's the queen and she gets to be a part of all the parties and the festivities. And the problem is there's this like moral ambiguity in this book where Esther is actually not really doing the right thing. I mean, she, she, she's a Jew and she knows the promises. You kind of see through Mordecai or her uncle that she, she understands uh, the, the things that have happened in the past and God's promises of where they're going to take the Jewish people. But whenever it comes down to it, she's hanging out with this drunk guy and they're murdering people and they're setting up this decree. Like this one decree is like uh, these Jews are going to, we're going to kill all the Jews. We're going to kill all the Jews because this guy named Haman said something and then the, the king's drunk and he's like, we're just going to kill them all. He creates this decree. Well, Esther's now the queen, and she's like has this conflict of interest, right, of what's happening here. So what does she do with it? She talks to Mordecai. They pray and they fast. And she's like, I'm going to do it. And she says, if I perish, I perish. You know what's crazy about this book? God's not mentioned one time. I mean, I don't know how many times we get up here and we go, well, God told us, and God told me this, and God will reveal this to me. Sometimes God's silent. Does that mean he's still working? So Esther, she says, if I perish, I perish. She goes and confronts the king. I mean, she's, she's literally going to die if, this is against the law. If she doesn't have a royal request, she can't do it. But at night, the king is reading these chronicles and it reveals to him that Mordecai actually helped save his life at one time because there were people plotting to to kill the king. And so the king has this revelation. He's like, "I I need to celebrate Mordecai. He saved my life. 
Esther doesn't know this. Esther goes in, talks to him, and he says, no, we're not killing the Jews. Mordecai, we're going to celebrate Mordecai. We're going to celebrate them because they've saved my life. Esther helps move forward the purposes of God in her life. She helps deliver God's people into the promise that he had before. Here's the deal. In God's felt absence, it doesn't mean that he's abandoned his promise. That's the point. Just because that he, he doesn't feel like he's there doesn't mean that he's not there. Doesn't mean that he hasn't abandoned all the promises of before and of the past. My question is you today, do you know what God has done for you? Do you know what he's done for your ancestors? Do you know what he's done in the past? And do you know where you stand with him today? I mean, Ecclesiastes 7 says this, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? Or how about Proverbs 21.1? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. It just screams to me. It screams to me that God is in control and that I'm not. I'm not saying this is easy to accept. I'm not saying that it's like something that I'm like, it's digestible in the midst of our suffering. But sometimes the truth penetrates more than just our personal experience. Just the me. Listen to this next verse. Roman, uh, in, in chapter 3. He says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. It, it doesn't say, uh, have faith in God and suffer for him. Have faith in God and suffer for him. No, it says re re rejoice. 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 In the hope of our glory, of the, God, the glory of God, rejoice in our suffering. Our joy is at the middle of every commandment of God on our life. God wants you to be able to rejoice, not just because of what you can understand, but because of the purpose that he has in you. God doesn't always... Um, of this. Hard times are not always pro produced from our action, but God always has a purpose for them. They're not always produced. I mean, Jesus at one point, he's talking to his disciples and his disciples go, hey, see that blind man over there? Uh, that blind man, uh, so whose sin is it? Is it his sin, the reason he's blind, or is it his parents' sin, the reason he's blind? And Jesus says, Neither. This is done so that the work of God might be displayed in him. Sometimes it's not about what we're doing. It's about what God is doing. And that's the central, that's the central message. That's the point of us relenting 
our circumstances and our situations to Jesus. If you want to stay on the struggle bus of life, you insert I in verse 3 where it says we. Circle those words in verse 3. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Our heart loves the message of, well, what about me? I mean, why, why, why did this happen to me? This is not right. I mean, I get distracted all the time with me. I, I'm a selfish dude. I mean, we pastors, we, we're not excluded from this. Like, it is easy for us to be selfish. We're distracted every day by our selfish desires. You know, we get up, we're getting on the highway, and we're trying to merge into traffic. And some reason, people stop like halfway in the merge lane to try to get in. And they like stop, and they're like looking, waiting for somebody to stop on the interstate. I'm like, no, no, you keep going all the way to the end of the merge lane. And if the people don't let you in, they don't let you in. But get all the way to the end. Don't stop at the middle of that. Are you kidding me? And then when you get on, don't get in the left lane if you're going to go slow. I mean, Lord, help us. What are we doing here, people? Did they teach us anything? That's, I got amens in the last service, too. Golly. People love their traffic around here or hate it, either one. Um, but we love the message of it being about me. When we place our faith in Jesus, ultimately, it's not about us. It's the story of God. It's the story of God and how he is using us as people to be able to bring glory to him. And he has created you with extreme value in your life. But Josh, I, don't, I, can't, I can't think right now because I feel like you're yelling at me. And I feel like you're judging me. And I just want you to know I've tried this before. Like I, I've tried to do this and it didn't work out for me right. And I just doesn't, there's not this formula to it. Well, the good news is you don't need to be good at math, okay? Because there's not a formula. Here, here's what it is. God uses our suffering to produce endurance in our life. And that never goes away. Because there is joy in our suffering and there's joy in our endurance. And it says it here in Scripture. That suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. William Barclay said, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. So many times we separate what we're going through. We separate our faith in what we're enduring. Simple enough, we... Well, if I can just get over this, if I get just, I'm having these problems right now, and if I can get over this, then I can follow God, and I can really get my mind, thought, my, my, my mind together and my thoughts together, and I can really be, be able to start to help people. But I just can't really help people because I'm in debt right now. So it's just going to be hard. I, I need to get out of that. You just don't know what I'm going through, but if I can just do that, then I promise that I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll do what God tells us to do to make disciples. But right now I'm not a place, I can't really make disciples because I don't really, I, I'm not in a place, I don't really have the time and, and I'm going through this weird thing with my job. There's an excuse after an excuse after an excuse and I get it, but the, the, what this passage is saying, what, what Paul is saying is that our suffering produces endurance and endurance is important to us learning how we are going to be a light and radiate hope in this world. One out of five people in America struggle with mental illness. One out of 25 struggle clinically with a serious mental illness. That's over 10 million people. 
There is no question that our world is struggling, that people are struggling every day. And I'm not telling you to just get over it. That's not it at all. In fact, in the scripture, like uh, MJ was saying a while ago, he said, cast all your cares or cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And he does care for you. And cast your anxieties on him because he needs you to. But if we miss the very first part of that verse, then we're not going to be able to understand the true meaning of it. It says, humble yourself before God and he'll lift you up in due time and cast all of your cares upon him and your anxieties because he cares for you. Humbling yourself is the beginning of learning healing, the beginning of the process of enduring. Pride refuses to learn. Humility refuses not to. Pride will make an excuse all day and not allow the enduring process to happen, but humility will ask for help. Humility will understand that you, there's no quick fix to it. Humility doesn't take yourself away from other people and isolate yourself and try to figure everything out on your own. Humility realizes that God has made the church to be together, to come together, to be able to help people. Can, uh, one of our, our networks we were talking about a while ago, Cornerstone uh, Networks, and I love the, uh, the cataract surgeries that they're doing. This week, a 50-year-old, a 52-year-old woman came in and she had, her other, uh, she had her last cataract done on her other eye. She could not see at all. All she could see is just light. She was living in a van at her friend's house because she lost her job. She couldn't drive anywhere. She didn't know what to do. Doctors pro bono come in, they help at this clinic, they've given her cataracts, she can see perfectly now, she can drive again, she can get work again. She has six grandchildren and she's just elated that she's going to get to see them again. It happened this week. She said she's just so proud because she can help her aging mother in her last days. There's hope that's being radiated. We are the hope. The enemy is going to come at you and say, yeah, you're not enough and you need to get your stuff together and you've got to get these things together or you're going, to, you're, 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 not going to be, you're going to be a disgrace to your family. And what I'm telling you today is in our weaknesses, we are strong. And today you seek help by getting people around you who love you and care for you and aren't going to judge you because that type of hope does not shame people. It says God is the one who gets the glory and we don't get the glory. So stop acting like you have your life together. I don't have my life together. Every day I try to not be selfish by writing at the bottom of this piece of paper that says, uh, go out of your way every day. That's what I write at the bottom of this little piece of paper. And do I do it? No. But I'm constantly having to remind myself that it's not about me. That's where the hope comes from. And you're right. You have been judged. You have been judged. God picked up the, the wooden mallet and he banged it. And he said, Order. He said, enemy, get away. She's mine. He's mine. He's a warrior. I've created him that way. He's wonderful. I love him. I've given him a purpose. Get away from his mind. God loves you that much. All we have to turn to him is faith. That's all we have to do. And then that process, he endures this. And we get, I mean, can you imagine that 52-year-old woman as she's just sitting there listening 
to the lies of that she's a failure and she hasn't measured up and she's not going to be able to do anything about it and how the resurrecting power of Jesus through someone serving has given her new life and she's going to affect generations of people. Let the process happen. There's a man named, I'm going to end with this. There's a man named Samuel uh, who seven weeks ago, he fell off a ladder. And as he fell off the ladder, uh, he went into a coma. Uh, he's been in the hospital. And last week, he woke up for the first time. And two, two days ago, uh, he wrote on a piece of paper to his wife. And he said, I love you. And then he wrote, go be the church. It's a little piece of paper that he wrote it on. When you know your identity in Christ, when you've been radiated hope and you've accepted that, what oozes out of you is not what about me and woe is me and how could this happen and how could a God allow this to happen? You go, man, go help people. Go tell people about Jesus. But he can save. He loved in a way that no one else can love. Go be the church. That's what oozes out of you. Not, it's going to be all right, I'm going to make it. We realize it's not, it doesn't take long in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we realize that we're just human and this life is short. And Jesus in the great paradox, in the great reversal he said, in your weaknesses, you're made strong because I came to save you, to search for you, and to love you. And if we accept that today, and we walk in that today, and we die to ourselves, and we stop, to start thinking, stop thinking about like our own like begrudging commission and, and this you know, life experiences that I'm trying to experience all of life, and then one day God's going to make it better in my life. No, 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 no. Throw all of that away. Throw all of that away. Walk with God. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Serve people well and radiate hope. That's what we're going to do. We're going to walk out here today and we're going to radiate hope to the community. We're going to be the church. We're not going to come to church. We're going to be the church.